0: Brilliant. So what we're going to uh, be looking at the next couple of months is, uh, well, really topics that I've never talked about before, because sometimes the topics we avoid, um, hard questions about how does a good, good God fit in a world where there is evil and where there is suffering? How do you trust God when you don't understand How do you deal with doubt? How do you go through things and come out the other side? Things that that seem to overwhelm you, things that you think you can't uh, deal with, things that you think you you can't manage. So I'm going to ask some really tough questions. The way it's going to work is this, that I'm going to preach three preaches this month, and... From the beginning of June to the beginning of July, we're going to have a 30-day focus where we're going to focus on building faith so that we can stand solid whatever happens. We've talked a lot about grace this year, but the other component of walking in the fullness of what God has for us is faith, and we want to start building that. And the way we're going to build that is to help us... uh, understand how God sees things, how things look from his perspective. And so in this 30-day focus, uh, I'll, I'll tell you more about that as we get closer, but there, there'll, be, there'll be a book that I'm going to recommend, and we, we, we can all read that, and you can, you can look at that. It's a fantastic book. Now, you'll want to order that book in advance because you want to know that you've got it for the start. Then basically, there's 23 chapters in the book, which allows you in the 30 days, and I've worked it out, to have a chapter a day, the short chapters, um, and uh, basically you, don't, you won't have to read it the night you've got live group and the night, and, and Sundays. So five a week is the way it'll work. Um, and I'll, I'll send some more details out about that tomorrow or Tuesday. Well, not tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, and just give you a review of the book, give you a feel for it, and then you can decide, well, yeah, I want to read it. or not. I'm not going to be preaching the book, referring to the book or or whatever, but it's really the best I've seen on the sort of things that I'm talking about, so it'll really help you. Um, And during that month of June, on the Sundays as we're going through, we'll have some just to bribe you and encourage you to bring other people and to encourage you to turn up. We'll have free gifts each Sunday. So how cool is that? Yeah? Uh, I can't tell you what the free gifts are, but one of them is like a little mini book that I've written, Helpful Thoughts on a Good God in a Suffering World, or something like that it's called. Who's to Blame? That's what I've called it. Um, And so that's one of the free gifts. And each day we'll be emailing you with... A, uh, a like a little devotional, that, that so on the topics that we've been talking about, the topics that we're looking at. So the whole thing should build, and it'll build towards the beginning of July, and then the following week we've got Carly come in, and we've got the church barbecue, and so it's a real focus and build up towards the big celebration. How how cool does that sound? Yeah, are we ready to do that journey? Yes. Okay, that that's absolutely fantastic. Now. This morning, I'm going to kick that off by talking... But it's the first of two parts, and the subject is dealing with doubt. Mm. You see, we talk a lot about faith, but doubt is still a fact. And what, the thing that James tells us is that when we're in doubt, we can't get the answers we need. So we've got to find some way of dealing with doubt. Because doubt is very real, Yeah. I remember um, as a, I guess, teenager in my early years of of walking with God and into my early 20s, I used to go through periods where, like, things just didn't make sense. Um, I didn't know an awful lot then, to be honest. I didn't know an awful lot about God uh, except I knew a lot. Of, I knew an awful lot about a very few passages in the Bible, and, it, and I didn't know that God had any power. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about a whole load of things. And even when I did know those, I still used to go through these periods where life got really messy, and, and I ended up doubting. And it seemed like, you know, I remember one day, probably about 17 or 18 at the time, still in the youth club, and standing outside thinking, I just don't wanna go tonight to the youth club. And I just don't wanna face all this God stuff. And what happened was I remember just like standing there across the road looking at the youth club and it was almost like I was dismantling all my faith. You know, like challenging each layer that was there. And And I remember that this was the first time probably this had happened. I got to the bottom and there was Jesus. You see, there is an undeniable historical fact that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And that's why Paul says, it all, you know, without Jesus rising again, it all falls apart. And every time I've dismantled my faith in those moments of doubt, I've always found Jesus at the bottom. Because not only is the historical fact of Jesus at the bottom, but there's also when you, you find... The Holy Spirit is there inside. Ready to pull you back up again. So doubt's real. And if we're going to trust God, we have to do something about all that doubt that comes. Right. So here's... I'll set off with some bad news. It gets better, all right. But this is the bad news. You can't live without doubts coming. You know, we get this triumphalistic air that we shouldn't doubt anything, and but you can't live without doubts coming. Why is that? You can't live without doubts coming because the mission of the enemy in your life is to make you doubt. So he's always at it, and he's always bringing them. And he's always challenging what we think. He's always challenging what... What, what's going on around us. He's pointing out all the bad stuff. He's, he's trying to get you off message. He's trying to get you off Jesus. He's trying to get you off faith. But, and, and when that happens, you can feel doubt. You can feel fear. You can feel anxious. You can feel troubled. You can feel all sorts of things. But here's the truth, that, There's a deeper way to live than just accepting every random thought that comes into your head. Because those random thoughts are where the devil plays. Those random thoughts are where the enemy steals. And so you can live in a way that you are not dependent on how you feel and and how your emotions are kicking in. You you don't have to accept everything about the way you feel and about what goes through your head. You just don't. Now, you can at various times have great faith in God and then circumstances kick in. And that challenges that faith. Now, here's the point. Without a challenge to your faith, there is nothing for you to overcome. We share testimonies this morning where things have been overcome, where things have changed. Now, here's something about testimonies. Without a test, there is no testimony. And I'm not saying that God tests us because James says he doesn't. However, what I am saying is that the enemy tests us, life tests us. Sometimes we're stupid enough to test ourselves. And we have to understand that we don't have to go along with how we feel all the time. Life is not determined or should not be determined by how we feel. Life should be determined by the word of God and what he says about things and about who he is and about what he can do in our life. Here's, here's a little phrase for you. You cannot stop doubts coming, but you can learn to doubt your doubts. You can learn to doubt your doubts. You can learn to challenge them. You can learn to look at them in the light of God's word and say, that's not measuring up. That's not what my, my, uh, my, my God says about this situation. That's not what he says about me. That's not about what he says I am. And and in doing that, we can recognize what is going on. So we need to not follow our feelings, but learn to doubt our doubts. Is this making sense? You see, the devil's a liar. Jesus said there's no truth in him. You know, he can't even pretend to give you truth. It's lies. All of it is lies. Everything that you hear, that does not line up with God's word, that the enemy puts in your life, is a lie. There there isn't a good point in it. And so when when stuff comes into your life that isn't what you were expecting from the promises that God has given you, those promises that are yes and amen, then... um, You don't have to believe it. You don't have to take it on. So here's my advice when that happens. Calm down. Stay calm. Think God. You know, Cheryl's, no, Jessica's got this little deck chair that sits in our garden, and it it says, uh, what does it say? Stay calm, drink wine. So, but, you know, Christian version is stay calm, think about God. Think what he's promised. Because if you, if you know deep down, if you've got any experience of walking with God, you know that he'll always come through. That's kind of why we give testimonies, because we don't, when we're young in the faith or when we're struggling with our own faith, we don't know he'll always come through. And yet, when we hear other people testifying to how he's come through, it strengthens our faith. It strengthens, it stirs up faith in us. Now, here's something I just want to remind you of this from from what I was talking about um, when we were looking at Hebrews the last couple of weeks, is there is two components to our faith walk with God. Grace, that is what Christ has done for us, that's what he's paid for us, uh, that's what he, 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 he sacrificed to give us and that's the resurrection life within us by his Holy Spirit. That's grace. You you didn't do anything to earn that. You didn't do anything to merit it and you can't do anything with it now except receive it or leave it. So that's grace. And then the other element is faith. You've got to believe what God says, you've got to believe what he says about himself, what he says about you, and what he says is yours. And I'm going to have what God says about me. I'm going to have and trust in who he says he is. And I'm going to believe I can do what he says I can do. I can think the way he says I can think, and I have, can have what he says I can have. That's faith. So you've got those two components, and it's like that when you first got saved. Somebody told you the gospel, they told you what Jesus done for you, and you believed it. You got saved. By grace, you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself, but it's the gift of God. By grace, through faith. That's how everything in the kingdom works, grace and faith together. Now, the enemy can't touch grace, because grace is established. Jesus provided it. He paid for it. He did it all 2,000 years ago. And it's fully available to you now. And Jesus is seated in heaven, ready to back up everything he has promised with a yes and amen. So the enemy can't touch grace. He, he He can twist it a bit and he can lie to you about it, but he can't change it. And he can't steal it from you. So what he has to do is steal faith. He he robs us of our faith. He he tries to undermine our faith. He tries to undermine that trust that we have in God. And to do that, he brings doubt. He throws doubt into the situation. Sometimes he'll bring the situation, but sometimes we just get mucky situations because we live with fallen people in a fallen, messed up world. And quite honestly, sometimes we mess our own lives up. But the enemy, in the midst of all that, brings doubt. So what do you do with that doubt? I'm going to say something controversial to you now. I know know you you don't expect that from me. Here's what you do with doubt. Well, let me first off say this. (coughs) It's okay to doubt. Because you're gone, through. It's not okay to stay in doubt, but it's okay to doubt. You see, what do you do with it when you're doubting? You don't cover it up with that religious Christian smile that you've got. <laughs> Let me have a look at your religious Christian smiles. <laughs> see, you can't not give me a religious Christian smile, even though you think I'm not religious. That's good. It's good you're not religious. But it's also good that you're a believer. And this guy comes to Jesus, doesn't he? Do you, do you remember the story? Jesus' disciples have been out. They've been healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out demons. The, the passage that Ella's got on her, her T-shirt, they've been out doing that. And they come, they come back, and there's this little boy, and he's having fits and throwing himself in the fight and they can't do anything about it and jesus turns up on the scene and he tells them that all things are possible and the father of the boy says this jesus says do you believe and the father of the boy says yes lord i believe help my unbelief and he gets his miracle so doubt isn't terminal unbelief isn't terminal it's something that that God wants us to um, be open and honest with about our situation about how we're feeling so that he can move that unbelief to belief and he can only do that if we're honest about it if we face up to it go God I'm really struggling on this one help my unbelief well how many of you think when you pray help my unbelief that the Holy Spirit steps in and helps you unbelief. He does, doesn't he? Amen? So that's kind of where we are now. Here's a a real principle. You get less from God when you're phony than when you're real. God doesn't really do very well with phonies. He does brilliantly with people who are real, real with each other and real with him. Um, Do you remember Thomas? Do you remember Thomas, the, the, the disciple? And Thomas comes along and he says, I'm not going to believe unless I see the holes in his hands and the, and the hole in his side. What's Jesus' response to that? Jesus' response is, stick your fingers in the hole, stick your fingers in my side. And Thomas falls on his face and says, you, my God, my God, and, and acknowledges Jesus is God. So Jesus seems okay with that. He seems okay to meet people where they are when they're being real. And his purpose in meeting them there is not to leave them there. It's to take them somewhere else. It's to take them to a place of faith. You see, we, we often assume that, that, that Thomas is like, I went to a primary school called St. Thomas's and everybody used to know he's doubting St. Thomas's. Well, let me tell you this, that every one of the other, I guess, every one of the other 11 disciples at that time had already seen Jesus and had already touched them. Thomas wasn't asking for anything that they hadn't already done. I don't know if you've realized that. He just wasn't there. And he was asking for the same as them. And, and we go, well, you know, Jesus said, more blessed are those who, who believe you who haven't seen than those who've seen. Well, that's us. But he, he's not condemning Thomas. He's going, Thomas, you had a chance to beat the rest of them. You had a chance to believe without seeing. And, and, and that's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll, he'll help you believe what you haven't seen yet. You see, Thomas ended up being one of the greatest, I, I don't know if you know the story, Thomas, you saw sorry, but ended up being one of the greatest evangelists. He evangelized India. don't know if you know that India's in the Bible it is India's mentioned several times in the Bible and Thomas went as the the evangelist to India some of the churches that Thomas planted 2,000 years ago still exists in the region of Chennai and so he did great things great exploits for God so doubt isn't terminal it just needs to change so how do we do that well one of the things we, we do is this is that we piggyback other people's faith while we're building our own you know uh, you know in uh, in the book of james where uh, it says uh, you know it's any of you sick go and get some elders and anoint you with oil and the sick will be made whole saved why do you have to go and get the elders and anoint you with oils healings available to all of us as our right so why do you have to go? Because often we aren't there yet ourselves. And so we need to get somebody who's there to show us so that our faith piggybacks it, our faith rises. You see, when, when somebody's in doubt, and, and it's very difficult when it's you that's ill, if somebody's in that position, you need somebody else's faith to piggyback on. You know, one of the greatest uh, exponents of this was Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, how does make the Smith Wheels was great uh, great man of God, lots of outstanding miracles in his ministry, and he was British and he was northern. Northern, very important. <laughs> all the great men of England come from the north. He was he was northern. And he used to say this: he said, you know, people they used to say, well, what how do you what happens? Because all these people they don't believe, and you want to go in there and pray, and and the and, that. and he says, when I walk in there, I change the atmosphere. I change what people think. Because if God isn't moving, I'm going to make him move. You see, that's what happens when you have great faith. And you can piggyback on other people. That's why it's really important to, like, to, to see July the 15th when Carly comes, to see people who... see see people healed on a regular basis. You've seen it in their own life. It builds our faith. And and it helps get rid of our doubts. If we're just going to look at what we see in front of us, our brain is not going to make much progress in changing. So we have to look beyond ourselves. Now, I kind of... I know what you're going through at this, this point, and, and I know what we go through as Christians, in that, you know, it's much easier for me to say this at the front than it is for us to go and do it on a, on a sunny Wednesday afternoon or a wet Wednesday afternoon. It's, it's much easier to say it than to do it. But God is a God who moves us from saying to doing. But without the saying first, there is no doing because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is always going to be tested. The enemy will always challenge your faith, because that's the only way he can rob you. And because your faith is always going to be tested, don't go thinking you're a second-class believer because you've got some doubts. Instead, be open with God, say... I'm really under challenge here. But I know you can come through. And I know you can show me how I'm going to come through. It's not that you're a second class believer. It's just that you're so close to your answer. The enemy's trying to steal it. And the way he steals it is to get you to doubt. Because he's interested in stealing your faith. Let's go to... uh, because, you know, we're word people. Could do with some word at this point. Let's go to James, chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. And I'm going to read from the, the Amplified. So it's no good, you know, you can try following it on your phones. And, you know, if you're proper believers, you can try following it in your Bible. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what my Bible doesn't do? It doesn't give me notifications in the middle of reading it. It doesn't flash up messages, and it doesn't go uh, to screensaver. And by the way, it shows me all the verses around it. My, my phone doesn't do that. I'd just like to say that. If any of you lacks wisdom and I've just given you something about phones if any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he's to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. For he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting, that's God's willingness to help. God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billying surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. So James is talking about the trials and the tribulations that we have. And it's really easy when we look at that, that we we focus on verses 6 to 8, which are the bits about if you're a double-minded man tossed about by the sea. But you can't look at those verses in isolation. That's why it's really good to have them on a page. It stops you looking at them in isolation. And you can't look at them in isolation because what James is talking about here is the cure for being tossed about. He's saying, if any of you lacks wisdom of what to do, go and ask God because God gives wisdom. So you don't start going, I'm a double-minded person tossed about by all the waves. You go... I'm really struggling here. So I'm going to go to God and ask wisdom. Good. I'm going to ask Him to show me things. We, we, we're too quick to try and solve or, or muddle through problems on our own instead of walking in the Spirit. Yeah. Walking in the Spirit needs us to go to God to ask for wisdom. So we go and ask for wisdom. And you know, you're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture. We've been learning that in Bible schools. Scripture interprets Scripture. So you look at the immediate context and the context around it. And what he's talking about here isn't double-mindedness. He's talking about wisdom as the cure for double-mindedness. And here's a a really exciting thing. He says, if you ask for wisdom, you're going to get it. Go on, say, it's mine. It's mine. I can have wisdom. I can have wisdom. I I can know what to do. I can hear the Spirit. The you see, it works like this. We walk by the Spirit, not by sight. Yeah. Sight gives us doubt. Walking by the Spirit gives us wisdom. Yeah, good. Verse 5, go back there. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he's to ask of our benevolent, our good God, who gives to everyone generously. You can go boldly before God to ask for help. God is not a distant God who doesn't want to help. He's a close God who you can go boldly before with all your things, all your struggles, and he's going to help. And here's the really, I love the way this comes out. This is the really exciting bit for me. I don't know if you've seen it. It's that next line. He gives generously without rebuke or blame. He's not going to turn around to you and say, you miserable Christian, doubting. How could you do that? How could you doubt me? How How could you be made such a mess of that? How could you have let that happen in your life? You're useless. He comes. When you go to him, he meets you without rebuke and without blame he meets you like the, the father with open arms that's who he is that's his nature is, uh, this is the, the this is the best thing i think is he's, he's saying i'll sort it out without reminding you what a mess you made of it yeah good. i'll sort it out without reminding you what a mess you made for anybody reminding you what a mess you made, that's the enemy because he's trying to steal the faith. Yeah? yeah? God's saying, look at me, not at that. Now, I don't want you to get carried away. That doesn't mean God doesn't correct us, it just means he doesn't correct us that way. You know, one of the things that, that we, we need to get a handle on is that God doesn't send awful stuff into our life in order to correct us. That's just not true. That's a lie of the devil. God corrects us through his word. Yeah. God corrects us through the Holy Spirit working in our heart. He doesn't correct us by trying to wipe us out and, and make us ill and all that sort of stuff till we learn our lesson. All scripture is useful for correction and instruction, etc. Yeah. The principal way God corrects us is through his word and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. Now, here's the point that I'm trying to get to. He's not, gonna, he's not helping you. He's not giving you that wisdom because you deserve it. He's giving you that wisdom because he loves you. He's giving you those answers because he cares about you. He, he's giving you, he promises to give you that wisdom if, you, if you'll be real before him because He wants you to receive what he's died to give you. He wants you to know how loved you are. Let's go look at another passage, Romans chapter 4. And I'm going to start at uh, verse 18. And it's looking at that great man of faith, Abraham. In hope against hope, Abraham believed that he would become a father of many nations. That's what God had told him was going to happen, yeah? As he had been promised by God, so numberless shall be your descendants. Without becoming weak in faith, he considered his own body, now as good as dead for producing children, since he was about 100 years old, and he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God, But he grew strong and empowered by faith, giving glory to God. Being fully convinced that God had the power to do what he promised. Most of us know that God's got the power to do what he's promised. Our question is, will he do it for us? I've seen him do it in other people's lives, but will he do it in my life? That word, that hope, that is used in that passage, hope, is defined like this. It's a confident expectation that something good is going to happen in your life. And God is inviting you to live with that hope today. He's inviting you to have that hope that something good is going to happen when what's happening right now isn't good. He's inviting you to have that hope that something good's going to happen when what is happening right now is good. He's always inviting us to have that hope. Why can we have that hope? Because he is who he says he is and he keeps his promises. So that gives us a hope that whatever we are going through, he is with us, he'll give us the wisdom to deal with it, and ultimately he'll take us through the other side. The lack of advancement of the kingdom of God in this land, I believe, is because we are lacking believers who know how to go through the other side to overcome. We have believers who just get knocked over, who, who get stuck with the doubt and don't know how to move on or deal with it. And they don't look to God for the wisdom. They go, It's just not working for me. It's all hopeless. Because they they short-circuit this process. And and they get themselves all in a a muddle. And and they start blaming God. They start blaming church. They start blaming the friends. They start blaming anything they can blame. When actually the answer's right there. God will give you wisdom liberally when you ask him. He'll, He'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you how to get to the other side. He doesn't... Most of the time, he's not telling you to avoid what's going on because your victory comes from going through what goes on. Again, the only way you have a testimony is to have a test. And God will sometimes, you know, he'll often say, right, we're going to the other side. There's a storm in the middle, but we're going to the other side. And I want you to know that we're going to the other side. And we get in the storm and go, I'm not going to the other side. (laughs) And we, we, we need a bit of backbone, a bit of strength. Now, how can I put that? Here's what I do when I'm upset and when I'm not doing my best. I know you find that hard to believe. But do you know, Cheryl and I have some really difficult things going on in our life at various points. We don't necessarily share them with everybody. And we, 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 learn, we learn to walk in faith through them and seek God's wisdom in them. And here's what I say to myself, because I've learnt to, I, I guess, you know, some people think this is insane, but I've learnt to talk to myself. You know, I've learnt to talk to myself. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I talk faith, and I, I, I'll say to it might seem crazy to you, but it, 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 let me tell you, it is crazy, because God chose foolish people. He chose crazy people to change this world. Yeah. And so what I, I say is, um, look, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what's going on in my life. Yeah, I acknowledge it's real, but I know that I have a God who's going to take me through it. I know that I have a God who's got the answers. And right now, circumstances, whatever's going on in my life, you are subject to change. I know that if I walk with truth and integrity through this, God's my vindicator. I know that if I stand in faith, I will see the victory of my God. I know that if I keep going, healing is coming. I know that if i keep going breakthrough is coming and right now i speak over myself that i have the favor of god resting on my life i have the blessing of god resting on my life and the the kingdom will manifest around me that's what i do now nothing's changed at that point but it's gonna because my god cannot fail Are, are you getting this So I don't know what any person is going through right now in this room. Well, I might know one or two, but generally I don't, unless you've told me. Here's the thing. I'm asking you, whatever you're going through, good or bad, happy or sad, to trust God. Just trust him. Be brave. Trust him. So, I'm gonna just bring this all together for you and then we'll, we'll be finished. So this is, if you've followed me so far, this is the really important bit. The enemy and your own flesh is where doubt comes from. They're trying to steal from you what is yours. <coughs> How do you beat that? Here's some wisdom for you. You go to war with the enemy with your mouth. You have an offensive weapon. It's called the sword of the spirit. You know, we've, we've been doing in Bible school, uh, uh, introduction to the end times. And we just looked a little, briefly a couple of weeks ago at the Battle of Armageddon. You know, the big battle at the end when the, enemy, the devil lines up all his troops and he's got these massed armies and they're all wait, waiting. Um, and this battle takes place at a hill called Megiddo. In, in Hebrew, that's Armageddon with a H, because they can speak properly like us Northerners. They put H's in. <laughs> Armageddon. We Southerners have nicked the H. And they've got Armageddon, but it's Armageddon. And they've got all these massed armies, the greatest army and the greatest military presence ever assembled to wage war on God's people. And Jesus comes on a horse, and he says one sentence, and they're all wiped out, and the vultures feed on their bodies. Because Jesus commanded the vultures to turn up and feed on them. How did he wipe them out? By the word of his mouth. Yeah. We have an offensive weapon in the spiritual, and it is the word of God. Now, you do warfare with the enemy with your words. Yes. To be able to do that warfare, you need to know the word. Yeah. That's why we are word people. We are not Christians who are all over the place not knowing what God has done. We are believers. We are not, honestly, guys, we are not churchgoers. We are people who believe the word. We are people who want to know the word and put it into practice. You have to feed your faith on the promises of god the more you feed the fa- your faith on the promises of god the more your doubt will go why because you are feeding your stuff yourself on stuff that identifies the lies of the enemy that's bringing the doubt yeah. so you need to feed your faith on the word of god and you've got to use the weapons you've been given. Like I've just been saying that, you know, the, the illustrations I've given about what I do when I'm stuck, when, I, when I'm in that, that time. You have to, you know, you have to say, you, you, you can't get at me like this. I, greater is he who's in me than he's who's in the world. I am the righteousness of Christ. The spirit of Christ lives in me. The victory that Christ won was total enemy you have no part in my life so get yourself out of my head with these doubts and I'm going to listen right now to the Holy Spirit and I'm going to tell you I'm putting you on warning the Holy Spirit's told me he's going to give me the wisdom to beat you that's how you talk to the enemy that's what wipes the enemy out and you've got to keep reminding yourself over and over you know I I I I, had you know, when, one of the things I talked about at the end of that series on Hebrews was this, that we look towards what is ahead, forgetting what is past. And I, you know, both of us, Shavel and I, have gone through this process um, a few years back. And at some point, you have to close the book. Close the book of what you've been through and look forward. Otherwise, you just end up, your, your past becomes you forever. And here's what I do every time that past keeps coming and, and annoying me and reminding me, then I turn around and I talk to the past. Now, you're really thinking I'm crazy now, don't you? But I'm not really talking to the past. I'm talking to the enemy who keeps bringing it up and putting it across my path. And here's what I say. Shut up. You are not stealing another day of my life. You know, there's people who've done stuff to you. There's people who've hurt you. There's people who've damaged you. There's people who have uh, meant things for harm in your life, done some awful things to you. And they will carry on hurting you until you can say, you are not having another day of my life. Right. You have stolen enough from me and you are getting no more. Because my God says that I do not look at what is past, but I press forward to win the crown that is before me. I lay aside everything that entangles. I am going forward and my God is waiting there right with me and he's waiting there and he's got a different future for me than you were planning. A better future, a future to give me, me a hope. Yeah. A future meant not for harm but for good. Yeah. So right now I'm going for that future. There is an order that things work in the kingdom. So This is my last point. And this is the order. We often get this order the wrong way around. Because we end up, as I, you know, right, I said at the start of this, you end up with thoughts and feelings dictating your life. And that's because the enemies managed to do a really good job of convincing us that, that things work the opposite way around to what they really work. This is the way God says. And, Because I I grew up an Anglican, they all start with the same letter, and there's three of them. Okay? First, fact. Fact. What is fact? Fact is God's Word. Fact is the truth of God's Word. Fact is what Christ has done for me. Fact is what God says I am. Fact is what God says I can have. Fact is who God says he is. Fact is... Jesus is with me. Fact. The Holy Spirit will never leave me. Fact. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Fact after fact after fact from God's word. That is what we stand on. That is what we live in our life. Fact. When I've got doubt, God says he'll give me wisdom. Fact. When I go to God and I'm real, he turns around and he says, I'm not coming to Mess you around. I'm not coming to condemn you. I'm not even coming to remind you what, how you ended up there. But I'm going to give you the tools to come through it. Fact. The word of God works as a weapon. Fact. 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 First thing, we start with fact. Yeah. Second thing, faith. We put our trust in those facts. We put our trust in those facts. That means we step out and we believe God even though we can't yet see. Faith does not exist in what you can do. Because if you can do it, it requires no faith. Faith exists beyond what you can do. And the third thing is this. So this is is the right way around. Feeling comes last. Your feelings might eventually catch up when you see God through me through. Your feelings about what's going on in your life might eventually catch up, but your feelings are not dictating your life. Sometimes, You know, in some things, your feelings may never, ever catch up. But that's okay. You still put your faith in God's word. <coughs> and listen to him for the answers. So let's stand. <coughs> and I just want to finish this, this part. Can I, have the, can I have the musicians back, please? Can we do the um, all of God's promises, a yes and amen? So right at the start of this series, I'm going to ask you to do something. And you might want to note it down. Because if you'll do what I ask you, you'll see by the end of this series it'll have changed. I don't know what's going on in everybody's life. I don't know what's going on in your life. Even if I do, just take it I don't for the sake of this. I don't know what's going on in people's lives. But whatever it is, I'm asking you to trust God. To so be brave, step out, and trust God. That's all I'm asking. Why is that all I'm asking? Because that's all he asks. You know, when Jesus died for us on the cross, he was just looking for people who trust him. Just people who trust him. He, he does a loving bit. He loves us. It's unconditional. Our response to that is to trust him. So this morning, I'm asking you at the start of this series, to write down what it is that's going on in your life and I'm asking you to trust God to give you the wisdom and see it change. Amen.